look, we've done it again. We've made it somehow. Hello, welcome to the show. Uh, I just broke the software and got it working again, so I'm excited. Can you tell? Uh, it was um, mysterious. It just froze one of the cameras. Don't know why, but here we are. Uh, thanks for stopping by. I see we've got some people over in the YouTube chat. Hello, Dave Odessa, Kinger North, Johnny Bergdahl, Patrick Rankin. Thanks for coming by. And uh, we also got some people over here in the Discord chat. Uh, there's C. Grover, Mr. Certainly, Yanisku7, Mr. Certainly again, Doctor. Hello, hello. Thanks for stopping by, people. And uh, let's see what's happening, what's new. Uh, let's see if we get the report in from C. Grover about our microphone levels. I was messing with those for something I was doing yesterday. Hey, we're good. A peak at negative 6 dB. I will never fundamentally understand the dB scale, why zero is good and more than zero is bad, but discuss. I think it's a measure of pressure waves or something, right? Something? Zero being good, more than that, too loud. Uh, so, hey, Dan Mitchell, a doctor is still stuck in a call, apparently. All right, well, good luck with that. Uh, let's see, what's happening? What's new? Hey, did you know that uh, this thing is coming soon? Databox 19. Wow, can you believe it? Hey, Stuart Riggs, nice to see you. Uh, some people are getting their Ada boxes in already. That's excellent. Dan Mitchell got theirs. Hey, woohoo! Hey, Johnny Bergdahl. Uh, let's let's uh, let's talk about this. So you can head over to uh, let me let me bring up a web browser here. Where's my handy web browser? That's not the one. Stand by. I've lost it. There it is. I mean, I've not lost it, but. Uh, so here, this is the site you want to head to. There's the uh, adabox.com. If you head there, I believe we may still have a few, a very few subscriptions left for this very adabox, adabox19. So uh, you can head to adabox.com, see if you can subscribe to this one. Uh, and we are in the process of shipping them out. So some people are getting them already. They are on trucks and presumably airplanes and other forms of transportation to go from New York to you, wherever you are. And the unboxing is going to be next Wednesday night. I'm going to be doing that on the 28th. Uh, and that will be at 8 p.m. Eastern time. So if you want to tune in, there will be uh, an unboxing, both my pre-recorded part and a live section. We'll go over some demos. There will be some merriment and shenanigans, I promise. I'm working on that right now. And the uh, contents of the box will be revealed in case you haven't guessed or don't know yet. Uh, and we'll go into some detail on that. So uh, that, uh, that is coming soon. And if we sell out, uh, if, if there are none left, I think we had 100 extra than usual because of the shifts in, in where we're shipping, just to the US and Canada for this one, I think. Um, then you can sign up for the next one. That'll be Adabox 20. It'll be coming in the fall. So head on over to adabox.com and check it out. Uh, and the Adabox, by the way, is a better deal than getting the same stuff, if the same stuff is even available. Sometimes there are exclusives, but same stuff in the store is usually a little more expensive and no free shipping on that. Uh, so free shipping on the Adabox, I think it's $60. Go check it out. Uh, let's see, what else have we got? Hey, look. Got a job site. 
You probably knew about that, right? If you head on over to jobs.adafruit.com, you can go and cruise around and look at these uh, highly cool looking job openings. These are all reviewed and vetted by uh, Phil and Lamore. They go and check and make sure that things look legit and there are no scams and pyramid schemes and MLMs and such forth. Uh, these are just people looking to hire you to do some work on a full-time, part-time contract, freelance basis, and people who are submitting their resumes uh, looking for jobs. It's all free. All you need is a login for Adafruit to, to go and check it out. Uh, so did you know? You might know. I've got another show that I do on Tuesdays, and that's that one right there. It's JP's product pick of the week. It looks like this. Uh, not, not exactly that every time, but yeah, this week that's what it looked like. And uh, this is a 15-minute show, roughly, sometimes a half hour, somewhere in there, where I dive into a specific product and show you all about it. Uh, and there's a big, deep discount during the show. This week it was the Music Maker Featherwing, and I have a little one-minute recap for you, so check this out. It is the Music Maker Featherwing. It plays back MP3s, WAV files, and it's a MIDI synthesizer. I have a Feather. I'm actually just using a Feather M0. And then I have my Music Maker Featherwing, and I have an SD card in it that has three MP3s on it that I placed onto there. And then you can see I'm just running one speaker, but you can do two, you can do stereo, you can do a little stereo separation. And this particular Music Maker Featherwing is really great when you want to do a compact project that is sort of self-contained and has its own sound source. So it's got the amp, it's got some speakers on it. Uh, great for props, great for cosplay. Here what I've got is my MIDI tester to send out classic UART over the I squared C Stemma QT cable to do that. Okay, I'm not much of a finger drummer. It is the Music Maker Featherwing with built-in amplifier. Oh wow, that was way back on Tuesday before my haircut. Got my haircut right after the show, in fact. Uh, so, let's see. Let's have a look at the chat. What's going on there? Did I tell you if you're over in Twitch or uh, Periscope or Facebook and you're wondering where the chatters are chatting from, it's this place, Discord. You can head to our Discord server by going to adafru.it slash Discord. You'll get a free instant invite. Uh, you can join in and there's the live broadcast channel. That's this one right here uh, where people are discussing what's going on, the pressing issues of the day. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Certainly says it's one of those images where the more you look, the more you realize is horribly, horribly wrong. I got a fake mustache and I love it. And I also Photoshopped it onto my one eyebrow there. Uh, <laughs> in fact, I don't know if I shared this on social media. There's a makeup shop here uh, in, in LA that uh, has about two dozen drawers of fake mustaches. A lot of different styles in an alarming number of shades of colors, all like realistic hair colors. It's really impressive, really good, uh, really good fake mustaches. And I found out about prosthetic adhesive. I don't do much uh, theater makeup or, or prosthetic stuff, but uh, instead of spirit gum, you use this stuff called prosthetic glue, and it's uh, much more flexible than spirit gum. Works great. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. All right, what's, what's next? Uh, uh, Dexter Starburst had never heard someone say, I'm a great finger drummer. Noe Ruiz, 
really good finger drummer. And then if you go online, you'll, you'll find people who are amazing. I don't know, yeah, maybe no one actually admits to being awesome at it, but uh, Noe Ruiz is fantastic at the finger drumming. Uh, all right, well, I think it's time for the, uh, the CircuitPython Parsec, so let's get set up for that. All right, uh, let me grab a window here so I know what's going on. Uh, all right, so let's, uh, let me clear that there so this will make a little more sense. And in fact, I'm gonna hide everything but my serial display. Here we go. Uh, now I've done it. All right, let's crank that way up there. Will you even be able to see the place I'm typing in? Ooh, the, the thing got weird, all right. Yeah, maybe that's gonna work now. Uh, I see it, okay, great. For the CircuitPython Parsec today, I wanted to talk about testing out your code inside of the REPL. So this is the serial monitor that I have here. You can find these in Moo as a separate serial application. I'm using one that's a, a serial terminal inside of Atom. And in the, uh, how do I wanna say this? When you have a CircuitPython-enabled microcontroller plugged into your computer, such as this Metro ESP32-S2 that I have here, you can launch into running CircuitPython in interactive mode right on the board. So right here, what I'm gonna do is import a library. So I'll just, instead of running a full set of code, I can type in individual lines of code to test them out as I go. So here I'm going to import board, and that's gonna give me the board definition. So I can look at that by saying dir board, and now I see which pins are on this microcontroller. I'm also going to import the NeoPixel library. Now you can use tab completion uh, just to, let's, let's, in fact, let's make a new uh, pixels object. So I'll say pixels equals, and then I'll use tab completion. So Neo, I hit tab, that gives me NeoPixel. I'll hit dot, that fills in the rest, NeoPixel. Uh, and then I'm going to specify, uh, I'm gonna to go to my cheat sheet so I don't type that wrong. I'm gonna specify the pin that the NeoPixel's plugged into. So in this case, it's board and I have it plugged into IO 15. And then I'm gonna say how many NeoPixels are on this strip. I have eight. And then I'm gonna set a pretty low brightness just so it's not, oops, equals uh, 0.1. Oops, what did I do wrong? IO15 is in use. Let's try this again. Is it really? Shouldn't be. All right. Try this again. Okay, so by the way, this is a good thing to show. When the board is running, normally it'll launch and uh, your program will run, your code will do its thing. To get to the serial or the REPL, I'm gonna hit Control C, and that brings me out to this uh, interactive mode line. Okay, so let me try this again. I'm gonna import board, import NeoPixel, pixels equals NeoPixel dot NeoPixel, uh, board dot IO, whoops, 15, eight NeoPixels, brightness equals 0 
Okay, and now we can directly uh, tell these NeoPixels what to do. So I'll say pixels, and then I'll pick one of them. Let's say three, and I will give it a color. So let's do uh, pure red. So I'll say 255.00. And now you can see my NeoPixel, the fourth one up, index three, has lit up. Uh, and that is a really nice, easy way to go in and test out code line by line, simple things, check and see if a pin is going to work. You can check a button and so forth right from the serial port. And that is how you can test your code in CircuitPython right from the REPL. And that is your CircuitPython Parsec. All right, uh, live demo, trickier than I thought it would be. Uh, you can also, by the way, do things like run loops from here. It doesn't have to just be single lines of code. Uh, in fact, let me, let me show you that just for fun. Let's, uh, let's pop back over here. Uh, so if I import, I'm gonna go ahead and import time so I can bring the time library onto the board. Uh, now I can do something like for i in range eight because I have eight NeoPixels. If we press this semi or this colon and hit enter, you can see it does the sort of auto indent just like we've coded it uh, in, in the main code.py. Uh, now I'll say pixels, but I will use the I to specify one particular pixel equals, and let's give it a color. So how about O X O O O O F F? That'll be blue. Uh, and you see it's not running that code because it's allowing me to actually type in this block first. Uh, and then I'm also going to do a little bit of a sleep. So I'll do time sleep 0.5. So it'll wait half a second before lighting up the next one. Now to finish this, I'm just going to hit enter again. Give it a blank line. One more time, it brings the indent back into place. And then a last time to actually execute it. And if you watch my NeoPixels here, they're going to go one at a time lighting up. So again, you may sometimes have a huge amount of code over in code.py and want to just isolate some small section. You can copy and paste that, run a different code.py, or you can just kind of go in here and type it into the REPL, which I find to be really helpful. All right, so that, uh, that takes care of that for today. Next up, um, what I wanted to do is show you a little, let me go to my down camera here and let me get this guy out of the way. Oh man, you can see it's hot enough that my blue tack is separating from this little piece of wood here. Let's pull that just to the side and I'll unplug that so we don't have any confusion later. And I wanted to show you, uh, this is something I was working on earlier. This is the um, Adafruit 6x5, or Lamore calls it 5x6, but I think horizontally and then vertically. So I'm going to call it the 6x5 uh, Ortho Snap Apart. You could use it like that if you want. Uh, so this is a set of Snap Apart PCBs that you can plug key switches in. They're socketed key switches, and they have little reverse mount NeoPixels on them. And uh, you can wire these up. They're designed to be used as a keyboard matrix, a diode matrix. I don't have these wired up right now. There's no microcontroller involved. This is just the bare parts. Uh, 
Uh, but I wanted to create a little switch plate for it to keep those switches in place. Since these can pull right out, you can see there, they're not soldered in, those can pull right out. It's really helpful to have a stabilizing switch plate that they're clicked through and into. Uh, you can see here I am starting to design a sort of number entry macro pad with a little bit of extra room on the side. Um, you may recognize these as the leftover keycaps from the keyboard I built for my mom. She didn't have a, a number pad on the side, so I got to keep a bunch of extra keypads. I hope that was okay, Mom. Uh, I don't think she wanted them. So the uh, couple interesting things. The nice thing about this snap-apart is I'll actually be able to design this on something other than a grid because I want to use some non-1U keycaps on this. And you can see with these types of keycaps, they are not spaced to fit the, the sort of normal um, 1U spacing. So I will snap off some of these and change the way my switch plate is designed and then pop the switches into the proper location to fit these. So I'll have a little design work there uh, that's off the grid, basically. And... Uh, this you can use, you can snap it apart into a, a rectangle, that's the easiest way to use it, but you could also go in and create uh, a, a really unusual layout with it. So I'm gonna be working on something like that. Um, but one of the things that I thought was um, interesting is to take a look at the design of something like this little uh, switch plate here inside of Rhino and Grasshopper, which I know I show sometimes. Uh, if you're interested, here you go. Um, the switch plate itself is um, a fairly standard little, it can be just a square, or you can go with this kind of fancier uh, shape that we have here, which I think is kind of the official Cherry MX um, cutout. I think switches, maybe some switches that had a little bit of a, a larger clips on the side didn't fit into just a square. Um, but this is sort of, if you go to Cherry MX, this is the official footprint that you'll see for, for a switch plate. Um, and so I designed one of these uh, back when I was doing my little Pico keyboard. And then I've just been importing it elsewhere because it's, it's the right dimensions. And then uh, what I'm doing here is instead of doing just individual, uh, like an array of individual squares or cutouts, uh, I'm doing it sort of procedurally inside of Grasshopper here. And so you can see uh, this is one curve, this little curve node here. I've imported just that one blue curve that you see there as sort of a reference. And then I'm going to instance it around the scene uh, using a, um, an array here. And the cool thing is that I can adjust that using some sliders. Uh, so this is a, a sort of procedural design, just like you'd find inside of most procedural or parametric CAD programs. So if you wanted to snap this down to a five by five grid, uh, there you go, whatever you wanna do. I don't have this working yet for sort of culling out uh, or respacing them. So that, that might be something I do next is um, uh, give myself more freedom to make unusual shapes that are starting from the grid, but then deviating from it. Uh, I can go bigger than this thing. I think I set the, the limits to 10 by 10. Uh, and then what I'm doing with these curves, let's, uh, let's go back to our six by five, is I'm using those to generate some little pieces of geometry. They're cutting out or booleaning 
out part of a plate that I created that is the, the boundary of that. So if I uh, turn this little switch on, it'll take a second and it's gonna evaluate um, all of that into this sort of final shape. So that's the thing I 3D printed there. I exported that as a mesh, as an STL, um, and then I printed that and uh, it took about an hour to print because it's essentially solid. There's, it's just so few layers. It's a millimeter and a half high that it, there's no fill. So it's just, uh, it's just a, a few layers, maybe five, six layers. Uh, I think I did it at uh, 0.25 millimeter uh, spacing. So it's fairly chunky, uh, but that works pretty well. And uh, also apologies because I, I created this a couple days ago. Didn't have a chance to print it, but I shared it with a couple of Adafruit people. And Jeff Epler printed one and said, hey, you got your horizontal dimension wrong. And sure enough, I had a, I had a glitch in there. And so it did not fit our, our, only the first row fit. So my apologies to, to any of our team members who printed that. Thankfully, I didn't share it uh, out far and wide. Um, so let's see, some questions over in YouTube. Uh, ba -ba -ba. James Foe asks, am I the only one who thinks the last two peaks of that synth intro is a bit harsh? Yeah, it peaked. I'm sorry. I need to fix that. I've, I've been meaning to and I didn't. Uh, even though it's, it's not louder than, than the other stuff, it, it was hot itself and so it has that peaky sound. So sorry about that. Uh, Adam L asks, what's the software? Yeah, so the, the software here is Rhino, uh, which is this, this 3D view here, which is a sort of straight ahead 3D modeler, an herbs modeler primarily. And then uh, Grasshopper is its little companion, which is this uh, node-based DAG node network uh, that I'm using to sort of generate things in a, in a little flow graph. Um, so that's, that's uh, matching the spacing here, these holes of our macro pad. So you could put some uh, little standoffs and screws through there if you wanted to secure that. Uh, I was thinking you could also go through if you make a bottom plate and screw that stuff straight through there. Um, I may do a, a fuller case for it and bring, bring the sides up a little higher too because I kind of like that look. Um, so that's a kind of fun, these are kind of fun projects if you're doing CAD stuff, if you're uh, wanting to learn a little bit about how to set things up procedurally. Uh, the Ruiz brothers may have a layer by layer in Fusion 360 on doing uh, this type of stuff. I think they have some, uh, probably plenty of videos that talk about doing arrays and grids and, and procedural stuff based on um, locking to certain spacing and things like that. So. You can, you can go and check our uh, 3D modeling videos over on the uh, Adafruit YouTube and find out more about doing that. And that's a more common program, I think, for a lot of people is to be using, using Fusion. Uh, I use Rhino, and so I don't do uh, tutorials for it because I don't think as many of our uh, viewers are, are into Rhino, but that's uh, what I like, so there it is. All right, uh, let's see. Let's go back to the full camera of that beautiful thing there. Look at these nice SA profile keycaps. Huh? Beautiful. All right. Let's see what is next. Let me let me jump back over to my Discord there. Um, someone asked a uh, question about the stems on these. The uh, the stems on these kale box switches essentially go to the overhead are the same as the Cherry MX profile, which is just that plus size sign, that little plus sign stem. Uh, they just put this little box around it to help your keycap stem be a little more secure. So it's not just slipping onto that cross section, 
but it also has this circle that is ideally uh, meeting up with that inner part of that square there. So that box holds it. That's why they call them box switches, I think. So it's a less, um, less wobbly. I think also that square has a closer tolerance to the sides there, uh, unlike a, a Cherry MX where the little cross becomes sort of uh, a little wobbly as it goes down. I don't, do I have a regular, I don't think I have any, they're all inside, I don't think I have any regular uh, Cherry MX switches here right now. But alas, that's, uh, that hopefully answers that question. Uh, someone's showing a really cool keyboard tester or switch tester there from keyboard fans. That's a lot of switches. Uh, all right. So let's move on to today's project. So I'm actually going to jump over to the bench here. And let me put a view up there that you can see. All right, so the project for this week that I'm working on is a Minecraft turbo pad. And so the idea behind this is that I've set up a uh, macro pad, Adafruit macro pad, coded it in CircuitPython with the ability to send keyboard uh, strings. So one of the capabilities of the HID um, get this thing to stop. Oh, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna flip it up like that when I run it. Sorry. Uh, one of the capabilities of our uh, CircuitPython HID library is the ability to not just send a keystroke or a collection of keystrokes, but actually type out a whole thing. Uh, and so that is actually something that's really useful inside of Minecraft because of the way the text commands work. So uh, here you can see I'm cruising around inside of Minecraft and I'm just going to tilt this uh, screen up so you can see it a little better. And uh, if I want to, let's say, change from day to night, instead of going to the console inside of Minecraft and typing in uh, time set day or time set night, I think that's the command, I don't have to remember it because I've got a button that does the whole thing for me. And actually, if you pay attention down here, where right now it says set the time to 1,000, when I press that, you'll see it types in a thing real fast. So it goes slash time set day, slash time set night. Uh, we can use these, these types of commands for things like switching to creative mode or survival mode. You can see there I suddenly have a health bar and a meat food bar. Uh, so I'll go back to creative mode so we don't get snuck up on by a creeper and killed. Uh, we can also change the weather. So if I want to, uh, let's say, bring in the thunder and lightning, uh, you'll see my sky just started to change. I can turn up the volume here, actually. Uh, let's go. So you can see there, actually, it's quite dark. <laughs> it's too dark now to even see. You can see anything. Uh, let me try to switch this. It might be that it switched to nighttime. No, all right, so let's, let's get rid of the weather. So we'll go hit the, hit the button that says clear. Uh, and you can see on my macro pad, I've got uh, little helpful labels there that tell me what each of these things do. I've got a, a say command. So sometimes if you're playing in a multiplayer mode, you might want to say something to a bunch of teammates. And so this one just 
shout it out to anyone who'd be playing on my server dinner time. I don't know why, but it does. Uh, I can also do this. I can summon bees. I could summon a bunch of bees. Look at that cute, fat, cubic-looking bee there. Uh-oh, I've screwed something up. It didn't like that. Uh-oh, was I holding a key? Let's go back to the game. All right, I don't know what I did there. Uh, I can also uh, have it just play a sound. You can see that was a really long one, right? It typed in a big, huge string, but it types it faster than I'll ever be able to type, which is nice. Uh, and the, uh, so, so those are all uh, commands. I can, in fact, kill my player. Oh, wait, that wasn't it. This will kill the player. Ugh. Dead, and then it'll just respawn. Um, and the uh, bulk of those commands I set up are doing a um, text command, which I think is one of the cooler uses of this, because you have a lot of keyboard shortcuts available, but uh, this does not require any macro add-ons, any, any special script add-ons or plug-in add-ons. It's just, as far as Minecraft goes, it just thinks that you're someone typing, typing pretty fast, but typing. Um, the one command I did that's a little different in here is uh, the mining button. So what I did here is I actually have this one acting as a toggle. When I press it, what it does is it, it in turn holds down the W key, which is the move forward. So it's gonna hold that for me. Oh, hey there. Uh, and it's also going to uh, dig. So what I'm gonna do is if I just turn my mouse down a little so I'm pointing at the ground and press this button. You can see I don't have to touch anything and now we're gonna dig and dig and dig and dig. In fact we can go and start strip mining just by holding down the mouse there. And then if I press this button again, it'll stop doing that. So it's a toggle. Sorry, it gets a little dark when we go underground there. So I'll give you a little view back up. Uh, so that's my Minecraft Turbo Pad. And what I wanted to do is now bring it over to the workbench and show you what the code looks like for that. So I'll go ahead and uh, unplug the macro pad from this laptop. Uh, and I'll bring this over here. I'll also show you the funky stand that I made for this. So shut that. And let's head over here. All right, let's grab a uh, down view. There, that'll work. And I'm gonna plug this into a different cable actually that's already plugged into the computer. I like these little right angle cables. Cable. Uh, so I mentioned the, uh, the stand for this. So what I decided to do on this macro pad was simply screw in four of our threaded magnets. So we have these magnetic feet that uh, I think come with some of our RGB matrix panels, and then we also sell them separately. Uh, you can find them in the store, I'll go to the link later. And uh, they're three M3 screws, so they fit right into the little bosses that are on the back of the macro pad. And then uh, you can stick that right to something that's uh, ferrous, like this little steel plate that I have here. And now you have, uh, a macro pad that's going nowhere and it now weighs a couple pounds because of the weight of this, uh, this stand I have on here. You could also, of course, use this if you are using your macro pad in uh, 
let's say you've got it slapped to the side of a piece of machinery and you're using it to enter in CNC stuff uh, as a, as a uh, mill pendant, that sort of thing. Uh, kind of a cool adaptation of the macro pad is to put the magnet feet on it and just clump it to something because uh, those things are strong. That's not going anywhere. You can't, you can't budge that. Uh, budge it with a hammer, maybe. So uh, let's dive into uh, the code a little bit. And uh, Dr. asks, how do you control the typing speeds? I'm not doing anything on this one to control the typing speed in particular. I'm letting it type as fast as it can. You may need to modify things if that's faster than uh, whatever you're, you're using can, can allow. Um, oh, let me pull this camera view out of here. There we go. Uh, I think, I'm trying to remember, when I was uh, updating the screen maybe, I was running into, on, on some, something I was running on the macro pad, I was running into some slowdowns just by doing like too many things with NeoPixels and screen stuff. So uh, if it's seeming slow, it could be that your, your code is doing other stuff um, while, it's, while it's trying to type. Um, so, okay, so let's, let's uh, take a look at uh, my code view here just so that we can create a place to safely type. Because sometimes when you're doing these USB projects, you can, you can ruin your day if you have the wrong application with focus when you hit a button. So I'll bring up a, uh, a little Atom window over here. And I'll move that. I'm going to scale this down a little bit. Okay, so you should be able to see this. Uh, just off to the side there. And you know what? While I'm at it, let me move that out of my face a little bit. There, I have a nice little place to look at you from. Uh, so if you look at the code view there, when I do something like hit create, uh, it just typed in game mode creative. So slash game mode creative. So that is the... Uh, my computer on do not disturb. I just got a GitHub alert. Hi, Katni. Uh, so in Minecraft, you hit slash that goes into this console mode, and then you type in your command. So if I want to go into survival mode, that button hits game mode survival. If I'm saying something, say dinner time. Uh, the one I'm scared to press is the mine one, because that's going to hold down the mouse button and keep it held down and uh, type in a W. So I think I won't do that one, just in case something weird goes, goes wrong. Uh, but you can see what some of these other ones are. Also, there's some auto... Uh, all right, I'm turning off this sound. There. Hopefully, you can still hear me. Yeah, all right. Uh, so the um, long one that I showed there is the sound. Oh, gosh. I was in the wrong place when I typed that. All right, so that's the play sound command. It has a path to a sound. In this case, I used ambient.underwater.exit. Uh, in block mode, the location is the player name. Uh, Japunto is, is my player name, Minecraft. And then I think the three tildes is the volume. So tilde space, tilde space, tilde is a volume, maximum volume. So that is um, the way the commands look when I type them in. Now let's take a look at uh, the code itself that's running that. So let me 
open up the code running on this macro pad. And I'm going to make this bigger now. So let's, uh, let's do this Adam and this me. Hey, that's good. All right, so what the code looks like. Uh, this is not optimized yet. So there's, there's a bunch of uh, things that work but aren't pretty right now. You can see I'm importing the time uh, library display I.O. so that I can do some of this grid uh, display of, of the, the words. And by the way, uh, if you look here, when I type one, it goes to white. So I have that little inversion going on the text there. Um, so that's a little cool display I.O. trick that's happening as well. Uh, so I'm importing the macro pad library itself to use some of the convenient macro pad features. I'm doing slightly more advanced display stuff, so I'm not using the macro pad text, uh, text label lines. Those are really simple. Uh, so I'm using display IO instead. And then I'm creating my macro pad object. I, uh, this is part of the mess. I just needed some variables to exist before I actually need them later. So I, I created some variables for uh, the types of um, key presses that I'm doing or mouse presses, things like that. Set up some colors here. Uh, and then this is kind of where all of the main entry of what your buttons are going to do goes. I have this dictionary and I have these 12 entries. So the first entry in each of these uh, items is the color that the button is going to go. So you can see I've got these opaque key, key caps on here, so you don't see them other than like an underglow. But I've got uh, some aqua blue, I've got green, and then I've got red for the bottom there. And uh, I think I have them all going red when they get pressed, and this one uh, gets latched to yellow when it gets pressed. Then I have a, uh, a variable here for what type of thing is, uh, is being done. If it's a command, I'm saying command here so that I can use the USB HID uh, keyboard command for typing. So this one is going to type in the word game mode creative. So if we go and look a little later where that happens, uh, when I press a key, if the type of uh, that uh, first element, so actually it's the second one, element one, of the dictionary entry for the key number that's pressed is command, then it's going to use macropad.keyboard.send, and that's what sends a, um, uh, a bit of text. The uh, uh, layout is actually what's, what's going to write, sorry, the keyboard send is going to be the tilde, then the keyboard uh, layout right is going to write the full sentence, and then I think I'm sending the enter key. So rather than hard code this in here, if we look up at this dictionary, uh, those items are, okay, so we're sending a command. It's going to be a momentary one, so that has a press and a release, not a latch. We send the forward slash. Then we do that keyboard layout right of whatever is inside the quotes here and then we follow it up with the enter key and that's how it enters it for you. So that is actually uh, 11 out of 12 of these work like that. And then one of them down here, I'm calling KB mouse. So this is what happens if you want to send both a keyboard command and a mouse command at the same time. I also have this one latching with this hold here. And then the things that this one can do is whatever uh, is being typed inside these brackets and that can be multiple things. So this can be like a, a a multi-key macro, if you want, could be Shift Command W. Uh, and then I'm also sending 
the left mouse button, and it's holding both of those. The reason that it's holding them is that this is in hold mode. So when I go back down here to see, all right, if the type of event based on looking into that dictionary is keyboard, then it just sends a key. If it's mouse, uh, or rather, yeah, so if it's mouse, it sends, a, sends the click. If it's KB mouse, then we check and see, is this in hold mode? Yeah, it is. Okay, then we're going to, while we're latched, just press rather than send. So press keeps that held. And same with the mouse button, that gets pressed. And uh, then the second time we press it, it'll release that. So when we're in, uh, in release mode, it releases all mouse and it releases the, the key that you pressed. Um, and so that's kind of the most important part here is this, this dictionary. I have based this code on uh, the Neotrellis M4 launchpad code I did a couple years ago. I keep going back to that method because it lets me sort of have a whole bunch of stuff per key in a line and I just find it easy to look at that way. Um, so this, this again tells me what's the NeoPixel color, uh, some sort of a type thing. Is it, is it a command? Is it a, a KB mouse? Is it just a key? Is it just a mouse? Is it momentary or, or held? And then the rest of these describe what gets typed in. Uh, so like I say, this is not optimized. There could be better ways to do this. You could break this off into a separate config file, kind of like Phil B's um, macro pad project. But for this one, for me, it was easy to kind of keep it all in one place and uh, make my adjustments here. Uh, then I kind of inefficiently create this little uh, list of latched or not latched states, uh, set up my NeoPixels, set up their brightness. I'm actually not using the encoder for anything in this, so I can take that out. Or if someone has a suggestion on what to use it for, it's actually really easy to set it up as the mouse wheel, which in Minecraft just scrolls among your, your items, so that might be a nice one to do. Uh, oh. By the way, I'm seeing someone in chat who knows Minecraft way better than I do said that the tildes is not the block location, or the, not the volume, it's the block location. Ah, it means relative to your current location. One block in the negative direction. Okay, so they do X, Y, Z as left, up, and forward. And so that plays it at your current location. Thank you. Okay, so we can put numbers in there and I guess push the sound out spatially. That's cool. Uh, then... You can see here I'm creating this grid layout of the screen, and I have this little list of the text that I'm going to put up there. I did my best to use short-ish words that would fit but still make sense. Uh, then this is some typical display I.O. stuff for setting up the, the labels on there as a little grid. And then the rest of it is all just based on this good old key event of macropad.key.eventsget, and that's based on Dan H.'s uh, key Key code library? Yeah, the key code library, I think it's called. Uh, keyboard? Key switch? What the heck's that library called? I can't remember now. Uh, but it's, it's the new one that, uh, that does diode matrices, GPIO pin per switch, and um, uh, shift registers. And I've forgotten its name already. But uh, there you go. So that, uh, that's going to do it. Let me know if anyone has any questions. Um, and I'll take a look in the chats now. Uh, let's pop those out of there. Uh, there's the chat on Discord if you were wondering about uh, some of the Minecraft stuff. Thank you, Xenia uh, Trans Fox Girl, for the Minecraft expl explanation. Um, 
My daughter knows Minecraft way better than I do, but I was only able to get a little bit of her time uh, to, to help me pick Minecraft things to do. Uh, okay, so doctor said your yours is typing when a key is pressed. Yes, I don't know if you're using this sort of sentence type of input. Um, oh, it could be a different library too. Well, there you go. All right, uh, I think that's going to do it for today. So uh, I will say one more time, don't forget to uh, go and check out the adabox.com to see if you can sign up still for this adabox19 if we have any uh, left. And uh, the unboxing is going to be next Wednesday night at 8 o'clock Eastern time. So please come on by. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, all right. Thanks so much for Adafruit Industries. I'm John Park. This has been John Park's workshop, and I will see you next time.